It's a wonderful day today. We're in the Easter season, and it's wonderful to welcome you all to our service this morning. So good to see you all. Hallelujah! Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. You're still coming in. Uh, it's very good to see you all. Come and take your seats. And uh, as we begin to turn to our time of worship, let's be still for a moment and some words of Scripture from John's Gospel. The risen Jesus said this to his disciples. Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not yet seen, but have believed. Lord Jesus, as we gather to worship this morning, we do so in the light of you, Lord Jesus, risen to new life. And that in your risen life, you offer us new life. Here and now, and in the days, weeks, months, years forward. Come by your Spirit, and so speak to our hearts with your risen life that we may hold on to you with such a desire and love for you that our lives are changed because of you. Praying in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you, if you are able to, to stand for our uh, opening uh, responses before we turn to worship. Do stand if you're able to. We are living in the light of the risen Jesus. So I say to you, Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Praise pray the Lord for what he has done. He has given us a new life and hope. He has raised Jesus from the dead. God has claimed us as his own. He has brought us out of darkness. He has made us light to the world. Alleluia. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alle worship. So to our opening worship.
I don't know if any of the uh, younger members of the congregation, there's lots of, uh, if you'd like to just come out to the front, uh, we've got a video to watch, and I've got some questions to ask you. Well done. <laughs> I've got some questions for the adults too, but we'll see how we get on. Well done. First of all, we've got a video to watch. So see what you make of the video, and then see what we can talk about once we've had the video. Here we go. So it's a very, it's thinking back to Easter Day. And on that first Easter morning, two ladies went to the tomb and the tomb was bare. Jesus was no longer there. And so it's what happened after that. So one or two people went on a walk from Jerusalem. This is what happened on that walk. Again. So you've just seen something of the story of the journey that two people took from Jerusalem to Emmaus. At the beginning of that journey, do you know the names of either of those two? Well, was it somebody called Cleopus? Was it somebody called Cleolane? Or was it somebody called Cleopas? <laughs> Do any of you know? Who was it? Who was it? Very good. It was not Cleopus. It was a friend of hers. Well, sort of. It was Cleopas, one of those two disciples. We don't know the name of the other one. So then, a third person joined those two. Who knows who that was? Yeah. It wasn't Matthew. Yeah. It was indeed Jesus. Very good. So there was the risen Jesus joining those two. And that was a, then a very special conversation they had. And you heard some of that conversation. So what was it that Jesus taught those two on that road? Who can tell me? Yeah. It was <laughs> Jesus talking to them and he told them some very important things. Who can tell me what some of those things, important things were? Yeah. So it was all about what happened that brought Jesus to that point in his life, that how people from the past were looking forward to the time of Jesus coming. But this was God at work, wasn't it? And so Jesus told them what had been happening. So let's go on to the next picture. 
So, those two disciples and Jesus went and had supper together. And they were sitting down at supper. What did Jesus do in that supper? Who can tell me? Yeah. Very good. Very good. Do you all know that? (laughs) So when they were together, those three, Jesus broke bread and gave it to the other two. Then he took the cup of wine and gave it to them both. What happened next? Do you know? Yeah. I want some hands to, up from the adults. Who knows? Who knows what from amongst the older people? What happened next? Yeah. Did he? You're right. There's the picture. Yeah. So there we go. And so then those two disciples, clear past another one, then, then quickly returned to Jerusalem and they went to find the other disciples. Do you know what happened when they met together that night? Who knows what happened that night? So all the disciples were now together. And then what happened? Yeah. Jesus appeared to them and then he told them more about what would happen. Very good. And I think that's our last picture. There he is. There he is talking to them about what was about what he'd been doing, his risen life, and what was going to happen. Very good. So I'm going to invite you in just a moment. Uh, if you'd like to uh, go back to your seats or indeed go uh, out to your groups, that would be lovely. Let me just say a prayer for you all. As you go, off you go, and I'll pray for you all. As they go, a moment of prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for what you have shown us today, that in your risen life you have brought hope and a new understanding to those disciples. And I pray you will bring that understanding to each of us this morning, whether we stay here or go to our groups. Lord, speak to our hearts, we pray. Speaking to us of your risen life. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's turn to a moment of stillness. Of course, there are times in our lives so often when we just need to get ourselves, as it were, sorted between us and God. So often we let one another down, we let ourselves down, but knowing God's love for us and his forgiveness for us, renewing our hearts is such a good thing and important thing to do. You see some responses coming up on the screen and this prayer of confession. Jesus Christ, risen Master and triumphant Lord, we come to you in sorrow for our sins and confess to you our weakness and unbelief. We have lived by our own strength and not by the power of your resurrection. In your mercy, forgive us. 
Lord, help us and help us. We have lived by the light of our own eyes as faithless and not believing. In your mercy, forgive us. Lord, hear us and help us. We have lived for this world alone and doubted our home in heaven. In your mercy, forgive us. Lord, hear us and help us. The God of love and power, forgive us and free us from our sins. Heal and strengthen us by his Spirit and raise us to new life in Christ our Lord. Amen. If you're able and willing, do please stand for a time of worship.
presence. You poured out your love and your life to set us free. Glorious to be here in your presence this morning. Continue, Lord, by your Spirit to speak to our hearts, to change our lives, that we may live for you day by day, that we may glorify you in every way. That you will walk with us where we need your love, your care. By your spirit, just take us each day with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Please sit and we'll turn to our reading for this morning. The reading 
is from Luke chapter 24, starting at verse 13. This can be found on page 1061. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem? who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us, that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, Stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, 
Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told them what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized, how they recognized Jesus when he broke the bread. This is the word of the Lord. I pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for Heather and for bringing her to this moment to speak your words to us all. Open our hearts to what you want to say to us this morning. And through her, speak to us by your spirit of what we need from you to give us life and your love in its fullness. Praying in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. Hello. Did you, can you hear me? I didn't hear you. Good morning. Thank you. You know, I'm rather sad that we've only got one week to think about resurrection encounters. I think the walk to Emmaus is probably my favourite, but there are so many other wonderful stories and I hope you've been reading and meditating on them. Jesus meeting Mary Magdalene in the garden. Thomas's doubts being dispelled. The breakfast picnic on the beach with the disciples. Those three stories are all in the last two chapters of John's Gospel. If you were listening earlier, you already know a lot about today's story. Quite a lot. Even alternative names for Cleopas. But there's plenty left for us to dwell on. And it's a story which has a fascinating shape to it, which I've tried to represent like this. We start with two people walking slowly to Emmaus. They're talking sadly with downcast faces. Jesus draws near and joins with them, but they don't recognize him. Then something happens, some sort of transformation, so that afterwards... They do recognize him. He vanishes from their sight. They talk with hearts set on fire. And they hurry back to Jerusalem. We're going to think about what sort of a transformation it was that happened in the middle of that story. 
And let's start with the way that Jesus drew alongside those two disciples. And, you know, it's very similar to the way he appeared in the other stories that I've mentioned. At Easter, we sing hymns like, Thine be the glory, risen, conquering Son. But Jesus didn't appear transfigured into a a glorious victor over death. Nor did he bounce up to his friend saying, Yoo-hoo, it's me. No, he was very low-key, gentle and unassuming. And in three cases, he wasn't even recognised at first. In our story, as with his meeting with Mary Magdalene in the garden, he begins by asking questions, inviting people to share their doubts and griefs. What are you talking about? He asks Cleopas and his companion. And when they say, do you really not know about the things that have been happening over the last few days? He asks, what things? giving them the chance to pour out their shock and disappointment and their bewilderment over rumours of Jesus being alive. I believe the way Jesus revealed himself after his resurrection, so gently, so sensitively, can give us confidence that he knows each of us individually too and waits to reveal to each of us in a way which is individual and specific to our needs, our personality, our hopes and fears, just as he did to Cleopas and his companion, to Mary Magdalene, to Thomas, to Peter, and as he's done to so many millions of others down the centuries. Admittedly, he then gives those two disciples quite a robust rebuke. How foolish you are! How slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Didn't the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? But I think that rebuke was understandable, given that they had probably been among those who heard Jesus teaching about how he was going to be put to death and rise again, and had been brought up to know their scriptures, the part of the Bible we call the Old Testament, pretty well off by heart. Wouldn't you have loved to have heard the amazing Bible study which followed? Jesus, God's living word, who became flesh and lived among us, takes these disciples on a tour of God's written word to show how it refers to him. He would surely have begun in the Garden of Eden, where God says to the serpent who led Eve astray, Because you've done this, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. This is a prophecy that Jesus, as a human descendant of Adam and Eve, will destroy the power of the devil, though not without suffering death himself. And Jesus would then doubtless have gone on to refer to the many promises made to Abraham, and to Moses' vision of a coming leader greater than himself. And here are a few of the other passages which I expect that Jesus talked about. In Isaiah chapter 9, there's a prophecy of the importance of Galilee in the coming mission of God. 
and it was a despised place. So to pick it out as the place where God was going to be specially at work was remarkable. And then we have those well-known words, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That's me, says Jesus. He would have perhaps reminded them of how he had entered Jerusalem a week before the crucifixion. The prophecy of Zechariah. Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. That was me, says Jesus. And perhaps he reminded them of Psalm 22, which is so poignantly relevant to the crucifixion. He quoted its opening words in his cry of desolation. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And if you read that psalm, you'll find just how vividly it portrays Jesus' experience on the cross. Here are just a few of the verses. They pierced my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. That was about me, says Jesus. But the psalm ends with words of triumph because the cross wasn't the end and Jesus is reminding those disciples that it wasn't and that he is alive. Perhaps the most famous passage that Jesus will have referred to is Isaiah chapter 53. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. and The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. That was me, said Jesus. And I'm sure he would have finished with prophecies of his resurrection, such as these words from Psalm 16. You will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful ones see decay. Many of us have been following Pete Brake's Lectio course and learning in recent weeks how to meditate on scripture. And we've been greatly blessed and enriched as a result. In his words, we've realized afresh the invitation from the Lord Jesus Christ to hear his word in the Bible, to encounter him day by day, walking with him more nearly, loving him more dearly, and hearing him more clearly as we pray. And talking about the story of the Emmaus Road encounter in Lectio 365 last Monday, Pete Gregg said, There are two particular things that strike me as extraordinary here. Firstly, that Jesus took so much time to contextualize and even legitimize his own resurrection within the story of God. The ultimate miracle, his rising, wasn't enough. Even after the resurrection, the Bible was still Jesus' source of authority. 
and says Pete Gregg, secondly, I'm challenged by the way Jesus expounds scriptures as the things concerning himself. This book, he seems to be saying, is all about me. In other words, we should read the Bible in the light of, through the lens of, the resurrected Christ. We can only fully understand the Old Testament and the New Testament epistles in the light of the Gospels. So what happened as Jesus finished this amazing exposition of scripture? It says, as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. I wonder what would have happened if the two disciples hadn't invited him to come in and stay with them. As it was, the moment of revelation came at the table when Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Had they been present at the feeding of the 5,000? Had they perhaps been at the Last Supper and Jesus seen Jesus break the bread there? As he broke bread in their home, did they see the nail prints in his hands? Transformational, transformative moments of revelation like this are characteristic of the resurrection encounters with Jesus. Mary Magdalene recognizes him when he says her name, Mary. John, in the fishing boat on the Sea of Galilee, suddenly cries, It's the Lord! Thomas says, My Lord and my God. But at this particular moment of revelation and transformation, Jesus vanishes from the home of Emmaus. Let's just remind ourselves of what happened next. Their hearts are on fire. They go hurrying back to Jerusalem because these three things have happened. Jesus has explained the scriptures to them. They have invited him in and he has been revealed to them in the breaking of the bread. So revealed in the word of God. And many people think that the way that Jesus was recognized in the breaking of the bread uh, is linked to our experience of the sacrament of Holy Communion. It doesn't actually say in Luke that he also shared wine with them. And they told the disciples that he was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. But there is an obvious connection here. And next time we have communion, perhaps you'll remember this story and meet Jesus afresh in the breaking of the bread. I found this very helpful description of what happens when we do eat the bread and drink the wine. We look in a number of directions, back to the cross of Christ, around us to the body of Christ, and forward to the coming Christ. But in it all, we're in the presence of the living Christ, just as those disciples at Emmaus were. The presence of the living Christ whose life we encounter in a new way 
every time we partake the bread and wine and every time we dwell in the written word of God. Earlier I wondered what would have happened if the two disciples hadn't invited Jesus to come in and stay with them. Ah, yes, I was going to show you these pictures because of some of the other transformational ways in which Jesus appears to us as we share fellowship together. In church, in our life groups, as we share in fellowship meals together, and indeed in our homes and our daily lives, all these can be places of revelation and transformation. But as I say, I wonder what would have happened if the two disciples hadn't invited Jesus to come in and stay with them. And so in closing, I want us to think about their invitation. Abide with us. Come in, stay with us, share our meal, share our lives. Because that invitation lies at the heart of this story. This is what makes possible the moment of supernatural revelation and transformation. And it is the one most important thing we can ever say to Jesus. If we haven't opened up our life to him and invited him in, his resurrection power won't be able to transform our lives. We won't get to know him intimately and our hearts won't burn within us as we listen to his word. John's Gospel, chapter 17, contains the prayer that Jesus prayed for his disciples just before he was arrested. And he makes it clear he's not only praying for them, but for all those who will subsequently come to faith through their witness, and that includes us today. And the final words of that chapter are, Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Maybe there's someone here this morning who hasn't yet invited Jesus into their life. And I pray that today may be the day Do speak to someone or ask for prayer during our next song or at the end of the service if this is you. And just hold in your heart that prayer of Jesus that I myself may be in them, in us, in you, in me. Amen. like you to just, um, listen to this next song. Maybe close your eyes, think about what we've heard. Um, yeah, just just that. <laughs> See my heart.
walk at my feet It's okay if it's hard to believe I have faith that you will do greater things It's my time to go But before I leave Go tell the world about me I was dead but now I live I gotta go now for a Forget the things that I taught you I have conquered death And I hold the keys Where I go You will go too someday But there's much to do Here before you so much for that song. As we've been listening 
wondering what the spirit has been doing amongst us. They just wonder, in the light of the resurrection and this time of recognizing that we live in the light of the risen Lord, the one who brings us new life and really shows us a way to live that is not just for this life, it's for eternity. It's a wonderful uh, place to find ourselves in this season. With that, let's uh, turn to our prayers. And uh, thank you, Nigel. In a moment, we shall pray for specific issues in our troubled world. But I felt it would be good to start by fixing our eyes on Jesus. Uh, And so uh, we're going to say a prayer together, please, um, that proclaims his greatness using the words from Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 20. So let's say them together in an unhurried manner proclaiming the glory of Jesus. Lord Jesus, you are the image of the invisible God. You are the firstborn over all creation. For by you all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through you and for you. You are before all things, and in you all things hold together. You are the head of the church. You are the beginning. You are the firstborn from the dead. You are preeminent in everything. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in you, Jesus, and through you God has reconciled all things to himself, whether things are on the earth or in heaven. For you have made peace for us by your blood shed on the cross. Hallelujah. To you be all glory, honour, splendour and majesty. Amen. As we move into our other part of the prayers, we will finish with our traditional refrain, I say, Lord, in your mercy, and you say, hear our prayer. We start by praying for the nations and the people affected by conflict. Lord, we pray for the members of our human family torn by violent conflict particularly today for those in the Ukraine, Sudan and Syria. For world leaders, we ask that they receive wisdom to see beyond the natural boundaries of nationhood and race to the common humanity we all share. For those taking up arms, we pray that they would seek solutions that involve peaceful dialogue and constructive collaboration. And for those who live in the shadow of war, we pray that you would be a shelter of refuge from that storm and that in your love you will bring peace, security 
and freedom from injustice. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Next, let us pray for our leaders in the UK during this period of industrial unrest. Lord, we thank you for the work of all who seek to serve the country, especially the King, Parliament and our local councils. We pray that all would be motivated by integrity in what they say and do, a willingness to bring justice and truth to complex situations, and may they always act with compassion for those they serve. Lord, in the current round of pay disputes, we pray that you will raise up wise women and men who will be able to show a comprehensive understanding of the issues and find a compromise between the needs of the workers and the requirements of government government finance. We pray especially for those who are being directly affected by the strike action, particularly those facing urgent medical issues, that you will calm their fears and enable a rapid treatment of their issues. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. May I ask you now to silently pray for those who you know who need your prayers, need our prayers. Maybe it may be students who are affecting uh, or going towards important examinations. It may be um, students who perhaps are finishing their school uh, time. Uh, I'm thinking particularly those in year six, final year in primary schools. Uh, Let's pray for them that they will know that their futures are held in God's hands. Or pray for those who you particularly know uh, in these silent moments together. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Let us now finish this section with the words that we often say. Merciful Father, accept these prayers for the sake of your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. And let us now finish with uh, the words of the prayer that Jesus taught his followers to say. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. Thank you so much. I now invite you to stand for our closing worship. Able to. Do please stand.
or sing out the name of Jesus. to a closing prayer God the Father by whose glory Christ was raised from the dead strengthen you to walk in his risen life and the blessing of God Almighty the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be with every one of you all those you love this day and always Amen so go in peace to love and serve the Lord in the name of Christ Amen Amen.